I've got a heart to talk to God's people about how awesome God is. And so I just began praying, Lord, what do you, what do you want me to go? What do you want us to do? And what I think he wants for us this morning has been so proclaimed already in worship and what's been going on with the young people. I want to take you to a passage of scripture that I just recently have understood. Go to Proverbs chapter 25, and we're going to look at verse 2. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2. Now, let me set the stage as you're turning there. As a traveling preacher now, as, as Curtis shared with you, I've had the privilege of pre, uh, pastoring in 20, for over 20 years in, in churches in New Orleans, Chicago, Florida. And uh, for the last six years now, God's had me going and speaking to the church. I live as an evangelist in the sense that I'm in a different church every week. And this week, I've had the privilege of traveling with the student choir from my home church, First Merritt Island, to uh, preach with them in some of their venues. But my passion is to speak to Christians. And a lot of times I'll speak at conferences and things. And I spoke at a conference this past fall. And typically when I speak at a conference, some, they'll give me a theme. But this is the first time this has ever happened. They said, we don't want to just give you the theme. We want to tell you what verse we want you to preach on. And they told me to preach on Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2. Now, you got to understand, this was a young adult conference I was going to be one of the two keynote speakers at. And all these college students from all around Florida were coming to this conference. And I know full well when I speak to college students that I've already started off in the hole. I'm an old, bald, fat man, all right? The other guy was young and hip, had the spiky hair and the cool clothes and the, all that stuff. And I knew full well I'm going to stand up in front of these people and they're going to go, what's he got to say to us? And then on top of that, this is the verse they told me to preach to the young people about. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2 says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. Has anybody got something from that? I'll be honest with you. I looked at that and I thought, I'm dead. I don't know what I'm going to do with this. And I began to pray and say, Lord, help me. He wants me to preach on this verse. What does this say? And I am telling you right now, I cannot wait to show you what God exploded out of this verse. Because the whole of scripture, the Christian life, the walk with Christ has become to make so much more sense from this one verse. So would you pray with me that God will be able to just open our eyes to this. Father, we just simply ask by your power and your spirit and your word that you would be able to communicate what needs to be seen here, what you want us to see here. I thank you that you want to do it. I thank you that you will. But Lord, we believe that this verse, because you wrote it and it's your written word and it's your spoken word, Lord, will come alive to us as we just yield ourselves to you and we say, teach us this morning. We ask this in your name. Amen. As I looked at this verse, what jumped out at me was this, hide and seek. I mean, look at what it says. It says, God hides stuff, and we're to search things out, right? Isn't that what it says? God hides stuff, and we're to search things out. And I started thinking about when we were kids. We used to love to play hide and seek, didn't you? Remember when, when, when our kids were little, my wife and I have three children. Two girls are in this choir, and if you want to know which ones, it's the prettiest too. And, uh, um, but the, uh, when they were little... We was, they used to love to play hide and seek. And you know how you played the game. When your kids were little, you would have them count, and you as a parent would go hide. And so they would count, and they didn't really count real well. You know, they'd try to count to 10 or 50 or whatever it was, and they'd go 1, 2, 30, 11, or whatever. And you'd go hide, and then they would go look for you in the house. But if you remember, they weren't very good at finding you. You could, as a parent, hide, and you would, they would never find you. And they would go looking for you, and then they'd do this. They'd say, where are you? Where are you? And they sometimes start to cry. And you remember what you did. You'd cough, remember? 
Now, you didn't tell them exactly where you were, but you made a noise to let them know you're still there. Keep looking. Remember that? Or maybe you would bang on a wall or something or stomp on the floor and you'd make a noise. Now, for those of you that played this game with your kids, I'm pretty sure when you told your kids to count and that they were to look for you, you didn't tiptoe out of the house and go to Starbucks. Right? Most likely, you didn't do that. Why? Because you're a good parent. You're a loving parent. Let me tell you something, what God began to show me from this passage and from the scriptures that we're going to look at today. God plays hide and seek with us. It's the glory of God to conceal things. To search out things is the glory of kings. And let's just talk about salvation, for example. For those of you that understand how salvation works, if we look at it, it's really a game of hide and seek. The Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 44, that no one can come to me, Jesus says, unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I'll raise them up at the last day. Now remember this. God says you can't come to him unless he draws you first. But then what does God say? When he begins to reveal himself to us that he exists and he wants us to know him in a saving relationship, then he says what? But now you've got to come look for me. You'll, you'll find me if you seek me with your whole heart. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For we must believe that he exists and he rewards those who diligently seek him. Salvation is a game of hide and seek, folks. God initiates the game and says, I'm here. I want you to know me. There's only one way you can know me, and that's through Jesus Christ. But I want you to seek for me. And if you seek, you will find me. And for those of us who have trusted that what Jesus did on the cross covers us and that what he did was live righteous when we could not and we believe that he is the only way, when we sought that out, was it true? God revealed himself to us and we entered into a saving relationship. But let me tell you something, folks. God still plays hide and seek with his children. Now, we used to think it was fun. But as we've gotten older, we don't play hide and seek anymore. We actually don't like games as much. It's kind of sad that we get that way. When we're young, we love games. When we get older, we don't play many games anymore. But I started to look in the scriptures as I started wrestling with this and seeing whether or not this was true. And I started to see in scripture that God's been playing games of the kind that we play all the time. Remember the game Hot and Cold? How many of you remember the game Hot and Cold? That's one of my favorite games because I didn't have to do much. I could sit in a chair and play the game with my kids. You know, you'd hide something in the house and then you'd have them go look for it. And then you'd say this, oh, you're cold. Oh, you're freezing. Getting warmer. I love that game. When my, when my kids have grandkids, I'm going to be one of the greatest grandparents. I'm going to play hot and cold. Sit in a chair and play hot and cold. But in Acts chapter 16, we, we see God playing hot and cold with Paul. Remember, when Jesus had said in Matthew 28, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so Paul, being obedient to Jesus, tries to go into Asia in Acts 16. And God says, you're cold. Remember, the Spirit said, wouldn't let him go into Asia. Now, I love the fact that Paul doesn't go sit home and wait for a word from God. He tries to go into Mysia. But the Spirit said what? Not there. Later on, he gets a dream of a man of Macedonia saying, come and share the gospel with us. And he came to realize that's where God wanted him to be. But again, why didn't God just tell him, go to Macedonia right away? Because God, for his purposes, and I'm going to show you scripturally why, God, for his purposes, plays games of hide and seek with us. It's to his glory to hide stuff. It's to our glory to search things out. So let's deal this morning with why it's to his glory to hide things. There's a lot of reasons why, but one of them I want to talk about first is this. It's to God's glory to hide stuff because he knows more than you. 
I want that to sink in. God knows more than you do, and he's perfectly okay with that. And so should you be. You know why? I don't want a God that only knows what I know. I want a God that knows more than me and is able to hide things because he knows stuff I don't know. I want a God bigger than me. You know, I still think I'm pretty impressive, but I ain't impressive enough that I want to be God, and I don't want a God like me. I want a God bigger than me, and it's to his glory that he hides things because he knows stuff we don't know. Open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 13. Let me show you something that you might not have seen before in this passage. In Exodus chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 17. Look at what it says in verse 17 of Exodus 13. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. Did you catch that? When God led the nation of Israel out of Egypt, he could have taken them the short route. But he didn't take them the short route. He took them the long route. Why? According to scripture. And by the way, I don't know how Curtis is, but when I ask questions, I'm going to wait for an answer. According to the scriptures there, why did he not take them the short way? Why did he take them the long way? Long way. He knows better. He knows that what? They face, if they face battle, they might turn back. He knew they weren't ready. Folks, those of you who are parents, those of you who are parents of these graduates, have there not been times in their lives that they thought they were ready for something and you knew they weren't yet? And they, <laughs> sounds like it happened this morning. But uh, so they would say to you, can I? And you'd say, no. Your no didn't mean not ever no. Your no meant not now. Why? Because you, they, you know they weren't ready. Folks, if we're honest, are there not times as Christians that we seek God and his answer seems to be no? And we automatically assume that that means no forever. Sometimes God is saying, I'm not giving you what you want right now. I've not really meant no, not ever, but I'm not giving it to you now. And I have reasons why I'm saying no right now, because I know stuff you don't know. And you know what? One of the things I know about you that you may not know is you're not ready. It's to his glory to hide things. Is he mad when he's silent? Is he mad when he says no? I hope you understand this. If you're a child of God through Jesus Christ and he tells you no, it is never because he's mad. Because if you're in a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, God has already taken all of your sin and put it on Jesus Christ. Therefore, God would never, ever, ever punish you for your sin. If you think after salvation that God would punish you for something you've done, then Jesus didn't pay the full price. If Jesus paid the full price, everything that comes to you from God's hand, even though you don't understand it or it doesn't make sense or it even may hurt, everything that comes to you from God's hand through Jesus Christ is from his hand of love. And sometimes when God says no or not yet, and the, sometimes when God takes us on the, sh the long route instead of the short route, 
It's because he knows stuff we don't know and we're not ready. And he's shaping us in that process. Abraham was told, you're going to be a mighty nation. I guarantee you he ran home after God made him that promise that he and Sarah were going to have a child. And he put the do not disturb sign on the tent that night. (laughs) I'm letting that sink in. All right, now. Can you even imagine that conversation that night when he comes home and says, God says we're supposed to. (laughs) I've tried it. It doesn't work. All right. So here's the thing. God made him a promise. God made him a promise that he and his wife were going to have a child. How long did it happen between when he was promised and when the child finally came? 25 years. Let me just give you a little idea of partially why God took 25 years. Abraham wasn't ready. Oh, he had given him a promise that it was going to happen, but God took him on the long route, not the short route. Why? Because if you look at Abraham's life, he was continually trying to protect what was his. She's not my wife. She's my sister. And he was always trying to protect what was his because he didn't believe God was able to take care of him. But now, by the time Isaac is finally born... He's been through that journey of shaping and maturing to the point that when God says, give him back to me and kill him, Abraham is not trying to protect what is his. He's willing to lay it all down. Folks, God may be saying no to some of you, and it doesn't mean no forever. He might be saying you're not ready. And you need to understand that it's his glory that he says no or he's hiding things. And you've been asking. And I don't know why he hasn't said yes. I've been asking for a job. I've been asking for a mate. I've been asking. Why is he playing hide and seek with me? Because he knows things you don't know. There's another reason why God plays hide and seek and why it's to his glory to hide stuff. Go to Exodus chapter 23. Look at verse 27. This is when God's about to send him into the promised land. He says, I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hivites, Canaanites, Hittites, and Mosquito bites out of your way. But. I look closely what he says here. I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I'll drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. God says, I could do it all at once. I could easily do it all at once. But I'm not going to do it all at once. I'm going to do it little by little. Why, God? Why? Because it's for your protection, actually. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands here, but how many of you have prayed throughout your life that God would let you marry so-and-so? And you look back and say, thank you, God, for not answering that prayer. He was protecting you, was he not? Folks, it's to God's glory that he hides stuff. It's to God's glory that he doesn't always tell us what he's doing next. Why? He knows we're not ready. Or he might be protecting us. But the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2, it's to our glory to search things out. I can't wait to tell you about this part. Because this has totally transformed how I deal with those times that God is silent. 
If you even know the Lord at all, you know there are times he's there and he's present and you sense his presence. Even though the Bible says he's always there, please don't misunderstand me. He's always there. But there are times you sense his presence. There are times you know his leadership. You know his direction. But there's other times that you don't sense it. You don't know what's going on. And you're sitting there going like a child. Hello? Are you there? Could you cough? Why is it to our glory and to his for us to keep seeking? Best way I can explain it to you is this. A lot of you may not know this about me because some of you have never met me, and a lot of the kids here probably don't even know this about me. My kids know it. I've never finished a crossword puzzle in my entire life. I've tried. I fly on a lot of airplanes to go preach, and a lot of times I'll get in the seat and open the pouch, and if someone hasn't already done the crossword puzzle, I'll try. But I end up giving up. You know why? It ain't worth it. Those things are too hard. You know, I have good intentions, but I was like, you know, I'm a very good quitter. (laughs) That's too hard. My life, my motto in life is if it ain't fun, don't do it. But if you got to do it, make it fun. I've never finished a crossword puzzle because it ain't worth it. How many of you have ever finished a Rubik's Cube? Seriously, show hands. One, two, three, four, five, six. There's probably about 15 freaks in the room, all right? The rest of you, why did you never finish it? It ain't worth it. It was hard. We tried it. It's like, nah, forget it. You know those Sudoku, Sudoku puzzles? I have finished one, and then I found out I had it wrong. Some guy on the bus tried to hand me a Sudoku book, and I'm like, get that away from me. I don't, it, it ain't worth it. Is the Christian walk hard sometimes? Then why is Jim Johnson still a Christian, still following Jesus for 30-something years? You know why? Because he's worth it. It's to my glory and to his glory that I stay in the game. The Bible says that the seed falls on rocky soil and some people don't even, I mean, not uh, the hard path and some people don't even respond. But then sometimes the seed will fall on the rocky soil and spring up and sure look like that person saved, but trouble will come and they fall away because they really had no root. It wasn't real salvation. They give up. The Bible says the seed falls on the thorny soil and springs up. Sure looks like salvation, but the cares of this life and deceitfulness of wealth choked it. It had no root. But then there's seed that falls on the good soil. And it stays in the game. In John chapter 6, Jesus had just finished saying, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. The scripture says, upon hearing this, many of his disciples stopped following him and said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Jesus turns to the 12 and he says to them, do you want to go too? You're free to go. Peter's answer is awesome. He says, where else would we go? You're the only one that has the words of eternal life. We believe and know you're the Holy One of God. Did he understand Jesus' words? No. But he said this, you're the only game in town. You're the only one worth it. We ain't going anywhere. But interestingly enough, of those 12, there was one who did later on leave, did he not? That was Judas. And Judas was one of those thorny soils. The deceitfulness of wealth and the fact he was living for this life and not the next is why he left Jesus, stop following, stop following Jesus. I want to challenge you this morning. I don't know your situation. I don't know your condition. 
I'm going to challenge you to stay in the game. Now, the good news is, is you don't stay in by you holding on. He holds on to you. But you need to stay in the game when the temptation to quit happens. Young people, you're about to head into the next phase of your life. Guess what? There are going to be times you don't know what you're going to do. Sound like you're already there. That's okay. Keep searching. Keep following. Keep running to God and through Jesus Christ and saying, what do you have in mind? Believe that he hasn't tiptoed out of the universe and gone to Starbucks. But if you say, God, I'm still searching. I'm still looking. I'm still asking. I'm still seeking would you open the door? Would you, would, you, would you give me a clue? Would you give me an answer? Would you cough? He will. He will. There's another game I want to talk to you as we wrap this up. You, you remember the game Treasure Hunt? When you went to a party, you'd have a treasure hunt. You know what I'm talking about? You, you'd get a clue. You knew there was a treasure somewhere on the property. But you'd have to start with a clue. And you'd open that clue and you'd go, through, figure the riddle out, and you'd go, it's by the treehouse, and you'd run to the treehouse, and you'd get there, and it wasn't the treasure. Well, it was what? Another clue. And then you'd figure that clue, and you'd go, oh, it's by the air conditioner. And you'd run over to the air conditioner, and it wasn't the treasure. It was another clue. And you'd figure that clue out, and you'd go, oh, it's by the pool. And you, you remember when you used to play that game? Some of you, when you got to the treasure, were kind of bummed. You're like, man, I was having fun figuring the clues out. Why do we have to get to the treasure so quick? This party stinks. <laughs> Listen closely. If you look at scripture, you'll see that when God reveals his plan, when God reveals his will, all the way through scripture, it's like a treasure hunt. God will give you the glimpse of where he wants you to go. If it's for salvation, he says, I'm here. I want you to know me. But then he'll just give you a little clue here and a little clue there as he will lead you along as you follow the clues to where he is. In life after salvation, he'll say, I'm going to make a mighty nation out of you. Or I'm going to, uh, Joseph, you're going to have all your family bow down to you. David, you're going to be the next king of Israel. But did that all happen right away? No. In each of those times, God gave him a little clue here and a little clue there. And they were to follow the clues. And then when God had them to get there, they got there. And I want you to understand, in this game of hide and seek, in this game of following God, and it's his glory to hide stuff, and it's our glory to search things out, look at seeking his will as a treasure hunt. We're in the middle of one right now with our tour. We don't know if we're sleeping in Boston tonight. But we're going to follow the latest clue. And when it tells us where to go, we'll know where we're to go next. And where that tells us where to go, we'll know where to go next. Why does God do it that way? Because he's far more interested in the journey than the destination. Folks, we serve an awesome God. And he is big. And he's loving. And he knows stuff we don't. And he says to us, I'm here but I want you to search for me. God, why are you doing it that way? Because that way you show that I'm worth it.
Folks, I don't know about you, but I think he's worth it. I have a brother. Actually, I got a bunch of brothers. I'm one of five kids, and a brother, two younger, two brothers younger than me. His name is Jeff. He and his wife were missionaries in Uzbekistan for ten years, and then his wife came down with fibromyalgia to the point so bad that they had to drop out of the mission field and come back to the United States. And they had been ten years in Uzbekistan, and then. They don't know what they're going to do. They come back to the U.S. and they live in somebody's house for free. They don't have any income. They don't know what's going on. And they're in that, God, where are you? What? God, what's going on? And then he gets an offer from a church up in New Hampshire to come as associate pastor. Actually, he starts as youth pastor, makes his way into associate pastor. And by the end of three years, he's actually ended up senior pastor of the church because of what had been going on. But he had been there for three years. And I was on a traveling preaching trip throughout New England at that time. It was about three years ago. And uh, I preached actually 17 messages in 15 days. It was awesome. The end of my journeys was at my brother's church, and we were sleeping in their house. And as I sat there, I could sense that God wasn't done with them in the mission field. And we're sitting at dinner, and I said, you know, I don't, I don't know why I feel like I'm supposed to say this, but I don't think God's done with you on the mission field. My brother's wife, Julie, got very angry. She yelled at me at the table and she said, don't you dare, Jim Johnson. God took that away and that is a very painful subject. Don't you dare open that wound. Well, even though she's my sister-in-law, she must not know me very well because I kept talking about it. So they agreed that if I would shut up, they would pray. Fair deal. I've had a lot of people pray that I would shut up. Some of you are probably doing it right now. And so... They took a couple of days. They came back and they said, you know what? It's crazy. We don't know where. We don't know when. We don't know how. But we think you might be right. God has still put within our hearts this desire to be out on the mission field. I said, well, now let's talk crazy. If you got to go anywhere in the world, if you got to choose, where would it be? Because I really believe that God not only puts within us a desire for what he has, I think God also puts within us a desire for what he want, where he wants us to be. doesn't mean it's going to happen right away. They said, well, that's an easy one. We'd be in Thailand tomorrow if we could. One of our daughters was born there, they said, and we love, we've had a heart for Thailand. We could live there. I said, well, just start praying. See what God says. Go on the treasure hunt. He's given you a clue. Find out what the next clue is. About three weeks later, I get a phone call from my brother. He said, you won't believe what just happened. I said, what's that? He said, I just got a phone call from a f- couple that were friends of ours in Uzbekistan who worked with us as missionaries over there. They're now working with a different mission organization, and they're in Thailand, and they just called out of the blue to see if we'd be willing to move to Thailand and work with them. Oh, it gets better. They have to go excuse me, through the process of raising their support and all this kind of stuff. But Jeff was like, you know, well, are there any requirements before we come that we have to meet because some mission organizations say you have to have so much a seminary degree and so on. And they said, actually, there's only one requirement. You need to have been a pastor of a church for three years. The whole time there as an associate or whatever at this church in New Hampshire, wondering what in the world God is doing when we've got a heart to be on the mission field. Why are we up in New Hampshire at a church? The whole time God was preparing them for the next piece of the puzzle. Oh, it gets better. 
they finally go through the process of selling their house or renting their house and all that stuff and moving to Thailand. And when they get there, what my brother does is uh, he goes into closed countries for two to three weeks and trains pastors in closed countries that aren't allowed to have churches. So he's bringing the Bible and teaching them the Bible. And he does that for two, three weeks, and then he comes back to Thailand to live, and then he goes back in. It's kind of a dangerous thing. He shows up at the first place that he's going to go to teach, and the leaders come to him, and they said, we can't do anything today. And he goes, why not? I've been excited. I'm ready to teach the Bible. They said, well, we've run into a problem. He said, what's that? They said, well, the people we thought we were going to teach didn't show up, and the only ones that showed up were 25 pastors that only speak Uzbek. Jeff said, I'm fluent in Uzbek because he had been 10 years in Uzbekistan. Folks, the problem with us is we want the answers now. God says, "Uh uh-uh, it's not how the game's played. Because if I give you everything now, you ain't going to follow me anymore. I want you to worship me by continually seeking me. And so sometimes, if not most of the time, I'm going to hide stuff. It's to my glory to do so. But it's to your glory to keep seeking because you believe that I'm the only one with the answers and I'm worth it. When we run into these troubles, we're just going to keep seeking. Would you stand as I pray for you this morning? We give you an opportunity to respond. God knows what he's been talking to you about. You know full well what it is that he's been speaking to your heart. There may be some people here this morning that this whole seeking after God, you've been, you, you, you say, wait a minute, Jim, I know what you're talking about. God began this game of hide and seek for me in, in my life. I, I know that he's there. I know he's wanting me to seek him. And I've been curious. I've been seeking. And I think today's the day I'm going to find him. I'm ready to trust Jesus as my Savior. I believe that he's the only way I can be reconciled. And if that's you, we want to ask you to come in this time of invitation and talk to Pastor Curtis and any of the other pastors that are here and whoever's going to be here and tell them, I want to trust Jesus as my Savior. I want to find him today and begin this game of hide-and-seek, of following him as his child. Some of you are wrestling with some major issues and some major questions, and you don't have answers, but today God has said, keep seeking And he might have given you a glimpse as to why he's been silent. And today you just want to re-surrender, if you will, those issues to him. And receive that peace that passes understanding.